there is no perfect job, right? And there is no perfect manager or leader. And so while we all get frustrated with our leaders or with our management team, sit back and take some of the bad with the good. I can promise you jumping ship and changing and doing all the things that is our first kind of almost our first gut reaction to go do, in my opinion, doesn't make you a good leader and it doesn't move you forward in your career path, as well as sitting back, absorbing some of what good and maybe some bad that comes in. Take that advice, take that leadership skill that maybe you're getting from whoever it is and try to utilize it to make yourself a better leader. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is a global leader in real estate operations, providing specialized solutions to the world's largest energy oil and gas companies, supporting their facilities upstream, downstream, both inside and outside the fence. CBRE's experts deliver strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, risks, and increase productivity without compromising safety. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. Learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash EOG. All right. Well, before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to please ask everyone to support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review in iTunes. Also, if you're interested in getting your hands on some of those OGGN laptop hard hat stickers, check out the show notes for a 10-second survey, and we'll get those shipped off to you. We're waiting on a new shipment of stickers, so thank you for your patience if you have not received yours yet. All right. Well, I'm sitting here this afternoon with Jason Ingersoll, Senior Vice President of Sales and Operations Support at Artrock. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm great, Paige. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. So let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, for sure. It's an interesting one, but I imagine one that's shared by a lot of people from all parts of the country, but Texas, I guess, and even more specifically Houston. I was kind of raised around the oil and gas business being from this part of the country, but I really started out wanting to be an engineer and I wanted to be an engineer in the oil and gas business. And so that's really how I kind of got into and got started on the oil and gas path was through engineering and my desire to go work in the oil field as an engineer. All right. Well, let's talk about your career, where you started. Where'd you graduate from first off? You bet. So I graduated from Texas A&M University with a mechanical engineer and engineering degree. So to the Aggies out there, (laughs) you probably have heard that a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I went there again, as a lot of people from Texas do, do choose that as a path if they want to go down the engineering path. So that's where I went to school. And I literally came out of mechanical engineering with a bachelor's and went straight into the oil patch. And I started out as a design engineer working in the oil and gas world, but very specifically in which I've stayed with now for gosh, close to 30 years into the natural gas compression industry, which is obviously a subsector of the oil and gas industry. Perfect. Perfect. And okay. So where'd you go from there? 
So I started as an engineer here in Houston, went to work for a service company in that gas compressor industry and started working on compressors. I stayed kind of in that company for, oh, about four or five years and then made a transition to another compression company, at which point I switched, I guess, places and wanted to go into the sales side of things. And for a lot of your listeners, I know we'll relate to this, the oil and gas sales any sales in oil and gas is very much a technical sales role. And so my engineering background, as well as the few years I spent engineering, really helped me be successful in the sales, the technical sales side of our business. Yeah, because those two usually don't really go together. (laughs) You're absolutely right. I would say it, it takes a unique individual to have the ability or the desire to do the work that an engineer does. But then also to be able to communicate and want to go down the path of interacting and being on the sales side. I come from a sales background in my family. My father was in sales. And so that fit me very well. And I thought I would give that a try. So that's the path I went. That's awesome. So how'd you get to Artrock? So after leaving the first company I was with, it was a company named Oil & Gas Supply Company, a very well-known name back then. I transferred over to, at the time, what was Tidewater compression. And that kind of evolved into a 25-year career, really where I'm at today in the same company, obviously now called Artrock. But it started with Tidewater compression and went through several versions of that to ultimately get me to Artrock and where we're still at today. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about exactly what you do do, because I've never heard operation support. <laughs> Again, a very unique title and a very unique job that I've been fortunate enough to, I guess you would say, evolve into or to maybe even fall into. As I mentioned, I went from engineering, I went down the sales path. I did that for several years, both domestically as well as internationally. The international part took me more into an operations role as well as a sales role. That evolved into more of a general manager role. And that really gave me a very well-rounded background in specifically in compression. And so when I first took the senior vice president role here at Artrock, it was just sales and marketing. And it evolved into include, as you pointed out, the operation support. And really what set me up to be successful in the operation support side of it was my background of being able to be a GM in this field, be on the operation side, and really fully understand our business all the way through its infancy, all the way through out and actually producing natural gas for our customers. That allowed me to take on some of the support roles. And so in that title comes the support things that you might think of, supply chain, asset management, engineering, are really kind of the big ads. And then of course, the sales piece, which I've always had, has stayed with me. So it is a very unique title and a very unique role that I've been fortunate enough to be able to do over the last I guess four years I've had that responsibility and it's been great because it's given me the ability to do some additional stuff and just enjoy what I'm doing. Perfect. And it really speaks to both sides of, I guess, your education and your background, sales and the technical side. So I really like how it complements each other. Yeah, very much so. And it allows me to, when I am working with either our customers or our vendors, while it's been a long time since I've actually engineered things, I still have that knowledge and that base that allows me to really be able to interact well with both our suppliers, our customers, our employees, and build that respect and hopefully be able to pass on some knowledge that I do have on all the fronts over the career that I've had. Yeah. So have you had any like bumps in the road? I'm sure because you're an SVP. 
I would say there's been lots of bumps in the road. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind, the best way to get through any of the bumps is to just go through them. And then you have to learn from experience and you learn from some of your failures and you learn from some of the mistakes that you made. And so, yeah, there have been several, several instances along the bumpy path here, but several instances where I've been fortunate enough to always work for a company where I have made mistakes. I've always learned from them and I feel like it's made me a better leader as well as a better manager. Well, yeah. Okay. So let's get into that. You gave me a great segue. (laughs) So let's discuss what leadership is to you. Sure. You know, obviously you've got the stuff you read in books and I won't repeat those because everybody's read a leadership book here or there, I'm sure. But what I will tell you for me, leadership and what I look for in leaders that I'm trying to bring up in the organization and ultimately sit in my seat at some point, as well as what I try to do from a leadership role in this organization really revolves around a couple of things. And one of those is being able to build the respect that hopefully you've earned or that you deserved. And so I think that's a huge part of having the people want to, whether it's employees, whether it's customers or just anybody you work with, hopefully bring them to a point where they value and respect your opinion and what you're bringing to the table. And so I've worked hard over the years to try to bring that. And I'll be the first to admit that doesn't always come across as easy as maybe it sounds, <laughs> but nonetheless, even still in my career today, that's what I strive for. So bringing in that respect and also belief that I can provide value or that any leader can provide value. And I think if you pull those two things together, I think people in general will follow and look forward to your leadership. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Leadership can be really difficult at times. Like we have to make difficult decisions. Do you have an example of a difficult experience you've had as a leader? Yeah, look, again, there's probably several, but I can give you one that uh, is an international experience. And so as a much younger than I am today, but as a young leader, a young manager in this organization, I was tasked with moving to Beijing, China and opening an office uh, in Asia. It was a challenging experience for sure. But where I will tell you the thing that probably sticks out the most of the challenge really came down to moving to a country where obviously the culture is very different than what we're used to if you grew up in America. And just trying to step back and realize that some of those cultural differences and cultural differences, meaning both in the business world, but also on a personal aspect as well, stepping back and realizing that some of the ways that I had learned and had already been successful as a leader in the United States may not work overseas or especially in a place like Beijing, China. And so taking that step back, understanding that I had to learn some new things and do things differently was a real wake up is probably the best way I can explain it and really kind of stepped me back for a little while. I rethought about it and moved forward with some of the cultural learnings that I was able to learn while I was there and felt like it got me over the hump to becoming a good leader while I was over there. But I will tell you, it was a challenge when I first got there. I can only imagine the culture shock of it all. So you just opened a place there. You didn't actually move there. You just opened it up. No. So we actually moved. And to add to the excitement, and maybe some of this comes in your personal life as well, right? So yeah, I moved to Beijing, China with a six-month-old infant and a wife that I'd been married to for two years. So I made it interesting as well. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, oh, we, no, we were there about wild. three, almost three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can only imagine the difficulty it took to adapt. Yeah. So now that we've kind of covered the difficult part, what's the most rewarding part about being a leader? 
Yeah, again, I would say there's several, but the one thing, and this probably came later in my career to actually be able to sit back and recognize it was, it was awesome to see as I guess the best way to say it, but being able to see not only yourself grow and mature as a leader, but yeah. also to see people underneath you, the next generation, for lack of better words, but see that next level of management or next level of leadership be able to come in and take a little bit maybe that they gleaned away from you and actually become successful leaders. And while that is most satisfying, I guess you would say, if they stay at the company that you're at and want to be great leaders at the company you're at, but even if they go on and make a career change and go on to other places, following their careers and seeing their success is actually really rewarding if you had a part in that. And while I definitely wasn't the only piece of it, I feel like I had some pieces in that. And I really look back as that as a rewarding part of leadership in general. That's awesome. Very great. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? I guess I would say a couple of things. You know, there is no perfect job, right? And there is no perfect manager or leader. And so while we all get frustrated with our leaders or with our management team, sit back and take some of the bad with the good. I can promise you jumping ship and changing and doing all the things that is our first, kind of almost our first gut reaction to go do, in my opinion, doesn't make you a good leader and it doesn't move you forward in your career path, as well as sitting back, absorbing some of what good and maybe some bad that comes in. Take that advice, take that leadership skill that maybe you're getting from whoever it is and try to utilize it to make yourself a better leader. So I guess I would sum that up with, you know, look, put in the effort and the time to stay put and give it a chance. I will tell you, my career has been a perfect example of that. And in most cases, it will work out well for you. Very good. Oh, so I didn't ask this question earlier. What does Arch Rock do exactly? Great question. We probably should have started with that. Yeah, yeah. Arch Rock is a natural gas compression services company. To break that down a little bit, in the oil and gas world, obviously there's oil and gas. On the natural gas side of things, we take that natural gas from the wellhead or after it's already been processed and in a pipeline, we take that natural gas and compress it up to a pressure that allows the producer or the midstream company to move that gas wherever they might want to move it. In some cases, they're moving that gas through a pipeline. In other cases, they might be pressuring it up to put it back down whole. Lots of different things they could do with that gas. But our equipment is kind of in the middle of that. And we support and help their need to basically pressurize that gas. Okay. All right. So what book influenced you the most? I was looking at different books recently and thought about a a couple of leadership books. And again, I know the audience has read, most of them have read lots of leadership books along their path or along their career. But one that has stuck out to me is, I would say, not a super well-known book, but it's called The Leadership Moment by Michael. I actually have not heard of that one. It's an easy read for those of your audience that aren't into reading long books. So it's an easy read and just a really good, I guess you would say, true stories about or examples about leadership and what they all mean to us and lessons learned. Okay. And what did you take back from that? You know, and I would almost say this, it doesn't matter what industry you're in or what business your path takes you down. Leadership is a skill you need in all of them. And so learning from and taking real life examples from people, even if it's not in the same industry, which this is not an oil and gas book, obviously. Right. Even though it's not an oil and gas book, a lot of the lessons learned, some of the failures 
as well as some of the successes are really what I took out of this book. And I can't remember the amount, but there's several examples in there of failures as well as successes that the author writes about. And so that's what I took from it. Good, good deal. What is your most used business tool? Gosh, that's a great question because I would say at the point I'm in in now in my career, I would say communication is really probably the best tool that I utilize. Earlier in my career, it would have been different things, but today, really, I spend my day talking, whether it's in meetings or to groups of people. And so being able to communicate well, and as part of that, not only being able to communicate, but understand and listen is a huge part of my daily job nowadays. And so communication is probably top of the list for me. Okay. Yeah, that's great because you can't really get your job done if you can't communicate efficiently, especially in your role. (laughs) I will add to that and communication comes in different forms, right? As I'm sure we can all relate to communication took a different form, even as early as just right before COVID. And the way we communicate today, in most cases, we all had to learn a different way and a different form of communication that may not be face-to-face and may not be the telephone. It's evolving and continuing to move. And so continuing to understand and try to grow and learn new ways to communicate is key. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I'm kind of tired of living through historic events. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I don't know if this is necessarily applicable. Probably is. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? In our space, there are a handful of competitors that we have, but most people that are familiar with our space will know a company called USA Compression. Mm-hmm. And they're the other public company that's in our sector. So obviously, our truck's a public company. They're really the only other one that's a publicly traded company in our piece of the business. I know a lot of the people over there. I know the CEO over there and really do a good job. They are a respected competitor in our space. While I must say we do a better job, nonetheless, they are absolutely a respected competitor. And I do believe they're a good source of compression as well. Good, good. And you kind of have to know who your competitor is, especially for your role. Yeah, for sure. A lot of my time is spent not only with customers or employees, but also with suppliers and our competitor base. And so it's a pretty small world, I would say, in the gas compression space. And so we all keep track of each other and know what's going on. And most of us have been around for quite a while, or at least been in this space for quite a while. So we've known each other for a little while. Good. Yeah, I kind of figured. (laughs) So with all the things you've gone through, what would you say is your most important lesson learned? Let's see, you know, again, lots of lessons learned along the way. But I would say the biggest lesson learned, at least for me, has been really around sitting back and making sure, I guess it kind of ties into communication, but sitting back and really taking in what somebody might have to say, even though you may disagree with them. And again, in my role, whether that's a customer, whether that's an employee, competitor or supplier, it's sometimes hard to just sit back and say, all right, let me take in what they've got to say and let me learn from that. Or let me at least hear the other side of the opinion. And for so much, at least in my career, and I imagine in a lot of people's career, especially early on, was very much ready to jump forward and say, no, I'm right, you're wrong. Well, this is the answer. This is what we're going to go do. And so really learning to sit back with some patience, understand will really make you overall a better leader. And again, like I said, whether that's with employees, whether it's with a customer, doesn't really matter. To me, it still takes on the same form and shows your growth as a leader, being able to sit back and to take on somebody else's opinion and digest it 
and then move forward. Yeah, I really feel like that's lacking in this world. Not enough listeners. I think you're right. I do think you're right. And part of that is I do think it takes some time to learn and to be able to do that. And so that's why, to me, it's a big lesson learned for me, because I will tell you, I wasn't the best listener early in my career. And, and <laughs> I maybe still am not, but I at least acknowledge that I need to be and I strive to be a better listener now than maybe I once was, that's for sure. Well, my observations from salespeople is that the types that can't handle the silence in the conversation to allow the person they're selling to to think. I think you're right. Yeah, that's great. So what do you think your role now is important to the future of the industry? I've been in this industry now almost 30 years and been with Archrock for 25 of that, right? And so one of the things that I focus on now or spend some of my time focusing on now is where, not only Archrock, but where should we go as an industry? And I split my time really kind of 50-50 between we still got to make sure that our business today is operating and working and hitting on all pistons like it always has. But I spend about half my time, the other half of my time, thinking just that, what's next and what should we be doing and why is that important to the future of oil and gas? You know, circling that back to where I think my value or where I think what I need to give back to the oil and gas industry in general is really where do we go next? How do we ensure that the next generation of oil and gas workers have a job, have a career and have a place to stay? Look, oil and gas is an important part of not only the United States, but the world. And as far as I'm concerned and believe, oil and gas is going to be here for a while. And we have to do our part to make it cleaner, make it safer, just overall make it a better industry so that we can continue to bring in the new generation that they want to come to the oil and gas business. And I truly believe that's part of my job right now is trying to make sure we're doing that, setting up the new generation for success for the next decades. Yeah. And I think we've evolved to where we're actually standing up more for the industry and we're being heard, which I think is incredibly important. Now, let me ask you this. Are y'all having issues not finding enough people? Because I've seen that with a lot of other companies. Yeah, without doubt. You know, two things I would say happen. And the oil and gas business, as we all know, is very much a cyclical business, right? And it, it's good when it's good and it's bad when it's bad. And we're right now in the high point of a cycle, which is good, right? Yeah. But when you get to the high point of a cycle, you also have a hard time finding employees. So we are continuously looking for all types and levels of employees, whether that's mechanics in the field to go work on our equipment whether that's engineers, whether it's salespeople, we're continuously right now trying to find employees and making sure, it goes back to my point a second ago, making sure that the new generation understands that this is an industry that's going to be here for a while. It's a good industry to have a career in. We got to make sure we're doing our part so that we can continue to bring in the new generation to fill some of these gaps. Yeah, I don't think we're going anywhere. You can't have renewables without the oil and gas industry because half of that stuff's made out of hydrocarbons. So You got it. <laughs> so do you have a favorite podcast? You know, it's funny and people may laugh at this because I like to listen to podcasts while I'm walking or while I'm working out. And it's a podcast that's not business related. It just kind of winds me down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and it might sound weird too, but it's actually Dateline. <laughs> Some people go, well, wow, that's all about killing people. Oh, no, I feel that. I feel that. It's a podcast that for me, it takes my mind off of work. And it's just something that I enjoy listening to uh, 30, 45 minutes, an hour a day. And that's really my go-to normally. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad somebody finally admitted that. 
<laughs> I'm sure a lot of people give you business ones and there are many of those out there, right? But I get uh, comedy ones. I get all kinds of stuff. People like to listen to fitness stuff, but not you. You like murder. That's it. <laughs> I'm sure a whole bunch of women just went, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jason. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Art Truck, how might they go about doing so? Yeah. So look, the best way to reach out, especially these days, is through our website. So that's artrock.com, www.artrock.com. All of our information, my information, or any other piece of information about Artrock is on that website. If you're looking for local information specific to a specific geography, that information is on there. If you're looking more corporate, or like I said, if you just want to reach out to me, my information is on there. The website is absolutely the best place to go to get more about Artrock and understand what we do. Awesome. And then uh, also LinkedIn, right? Yeah, LinkedIn for sure. Okay. All right. Website first, LinkedIn second. Perfect. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.